0: They knew about
1: Mr. Potato Head. Yeah, we are going to get fired. Hey there, folks. This is Awful Land. We're here to talk about the awful. This is the podcast that says there's no shame in recognizing the inferiority of others.
0: It's not nice.
1: That is irrelevant. My name is Dan Barris, and I'm joined here by the regular panel. First of all, Lieutenant Shelley Peacock, you're back in the saddle. Hello, I am. Uh, Thank you very much for rejoining us from your sick bed.
2: Thank you, yes, good to be here. Missed you guys greatly.
1: It was a rough couple of weeks for you. It was, really. Yeah. Anyway, a man who is the very epitome of a clean bill of health it's Ensign Sharma.
0: I am very healthy. Incredibly healthy. Although you did say the wrong thing in the beginning. It's not that we accept the inferiority of others. There's no shame in accepting our own intellectual inferiority. Mm. Your emotional outburst only reinforces our decision. Come on, Fine. Dan. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Dan, but... There's no shame in accepting that you're wrong.
1: I felt that you took away the wrong lesson from this week's show. Oh, well, you know. You you know that Isaac turned out to be the villain, right? Oh, wait. We haven't said the spoilers tag yet. Sorry, guys. This will be discussing this week's episode of The Orville. So if you haven't seen the episode, maybe ignore what I just said and go and watch the most recent episode of The Orville, which is episode eight named Identity.
0: Yes. Yes. In which Isaac is the villain.
1: Yeah. So watch that. Be surprised at the end and then come back for the podcast. Hmm. Now as we dissect the episode, Shelley, I don't really remember exactly what happened during this hour of television, but please can you do me the honor of reminding me? Certainly. And and the podcast listeners. Oh yes, of course. Mm.
2: Shortly after announcing to Ty and Marcus that Claire and Isaac are dating, Yay! the robot spontaneously shuts down to the horror of the Finn family. Isaac! Isaac! In an attempt to resurrect the unresponsive robot, Right now,
1: your patient looks kind of dead. the USS
2: Orville travels to Isaac's home planet of Kalon.
1: Set a course for Kalon and engage Quantum Drive.
2: Where they discover some dark and disturbing truths about this secretive and highly advanced robotic civilization. We
1: have many unresolved questions. Now, one of the things I've enjoyed about the Orville to this point has been that every character's really had its moment in the sun, but with every story about the characters there's always been a lot of insight into their life sort of pre-Orville, it really sort of explores the culture of these characters. We get to really understand where they've come from and why they're now part of this family on the Orville ship. Isaac however has been a mystery to me and I've often wondered why the episodes that were Isaac focused never really dealt on his past and I think it's great we've got this two-parter now because it's gone in deep.
0: I I can't wait for the second part of this episode. Mm. This, This one ended on a real cliffhanger for me.
1: Yeah, and it was a great cliffhanger. It really reminded me a lot of the cliffhangers you'd get from the, I mean, the 90s Star Trek. So Best of Both Worlds being the Star Trek cliffhanger, which really defined that show. And what's interesting about that is I feel that Star Trek Next Generation really found its identity and gave the first sort of, oh my God, did you see that happen? Moment with their cliffhanger episode, which had... Uh, Picard becoming one of the Borg, which ah. had just been introduced in those episodes. Uh, so, like, that was a great cliffhanger episode. A season finale, so thankfully we don't have to wait that long. But I kind of feel like the Orville, like, I'm getting that same feeling here, which is this is, like, a defining moment for the Orville where the show's are really about to take and find its own identity and, like, just give us, like, these great moments from her. In
0: Yeah, well, I've, I, mean, I feel like the, we've seen threats before on the Orville. We've come across the Krill, but nothing has felt existential. Yep. Yeah, until
1: now. We're... And nothing's really felt like a threat. Yeah. It's always felt like story mechanic. Yeah, yeah. it, it yeah. feels
0: kind of like, oh, for the most part, people get by okay in the Orville. Like, mm. You yeah. get through danger.
1: But... And I do suspect that by the end of the next episode, everything's going to be okay, <laughs> and Isaac will probably still be on the ship, <laughs> and it's going to be fine. I don't know. But the feeling I got at the end of the episode was, no, there's some real stakes here. Yeah, it feels kind of irreconcilable to me.
0: But I'm really glad we've kind of got a, a look at the Kalons now. Because, yeah, I was I was like you. I was perplexed. I didn't know what their deal was. Yeah. I was always suspicious because, I mean, from the very beginning, Isaac was that racist robot.
1: <coughs> yeah. And did we know that he was an emissary until now? Yeah. yeah. That, that was established? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I knew that he was there to learn about the humans. Yeah. So an anthropologist, I guess. Sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what were your feels? You tend to feel these things a lot more. I do feel yeah. them
2: a lot. Um, no, I just, <laughs> I know I was shipping Claire and isaac for all of the first season but after that last episode with their relationship i they've just kind of left me a bit cold and then when she announced that she was dating i was like i don't know by
1: the last episode you mean the one and i'm trying to think of the polite like you know just general way of saying it when they went to bone town that's the one Mm. Hmm. and his skin (laughs) (laughs) suit yeah yeah the skin suit Mm.
2: yeah it just felt a bit wrong so it, it was a surprise that they'd sort of... Hashtag not my Isaac. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but it was a surprise to me that they were sort of continuing the relationship in this episode and announced to the kids that they were in fact dating and the kids were very happy about it.
1: See, I wasn't really that surprised, but I have to say that while I did find the relationship a little bit squicky to a certain degree, I came to accept it by the end of the previous episode... But there was the moment in this one where she tells Isaac that she loves him. Yes. And she's told the kids and suddenly became a lot more real to me. It stopped just being an infatuation where adults can do whatever they want. But it just felt like there was just genuine emotion now at stake. There's Mm. the kids being sort of brought into it all. It just kind of felt like things were being elevated to that next step. And when you've got Isaac on the planet saying that he doesn't like he's there for his mission, he's completed the mission, so he's just going to stay on the planet. It was very cold. It was very detached. And at that point, I'm like, "You know what? He's a robot. Yeah, there's no real way out of this. No. Like he's what was she really expecting? in a specific way. He's not really there to feel genuine emotion. He can't really ever connect with her in a real sense. So I mean anything that he's doing is strictly academic.
2: Yeah. And do you think that connection that she felt was based purely on just his affinity with the children and how he interacted with the kids, and I think she kind of really felt something through that, maybe.
1: Look, there's about five times every evening where my partner or I will say something along the lines of, oh, my God, my dog thinks it's people. <laughs> okay, and I think this is what it is. It's that sort of anthropomorphizing of Isaac to make him seem as though, he, just like Data on Star Trek, he has the ability to be able to learn and feel. But mm. He doesn't.
0: I don't know. I felt that moment where he's saying goodbye to Ty and Marcus, and he's saying, he says to them,
1: Remember to consume your daily required nutrients and obey your mother's commands. I fully expect that you will both mature into competent and productive adults. I feel like that's
0: that's the most heartfelt way he can say that. It's just, he's a robot. He can't help that he phrases it that way. But to me, that was sincere. So I can't make my mind up about him. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something heinous and cruel about the way he's treating everyone, but Also, I don't think that's Isaac's story.
1: Also, I really like that we can't get a beat on him and that he could just well and truly just be an enemy Mm -hmm. in that um, he probably won't be. I'm sure he's going to be just part of the crew next week. But I kind of like that for everyone who's so chummy on the ship, Dan accepted, of whom he's chummy with everyone, but I'm not sure people are chummy with him. (laughs) Outside of that, it's kind of nice to have some tension with a character of whom you don't really quite understand what his motivation is.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's always there. It's always a even even at his uh, going away party.
1: Yeah, right. and again, that going away party just further adds to that idea of the anthropomorphizing of him, which is like, well, this party isn't really for him. This is for all the humans on the ship and other cultures and species to feel better about themselves and their relationship with Isaac as opposed to the other way through.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think that there is something there that makes him seem different to all the other Kalons we saw on the planet, not the fact that his eyes are blue and everyone else's are red or orange, But just their mannerisms, the way they speak, they are different in some way. I I don't know, but I can't quite tell with him.
1: Now, in the animated sitcom Futurama, (laughs) when Bender is in his kill all humans mode, his eyes do change. Mm. And so I'm thinking all the robots on the planet that aren't there on missions to act as an emissary, is that why they've got the eye color change? Well, do they even need eyes, to be honest? Well, I mean... Maybe not. No, I feel like
0: the eyes would just be there as a kind of to anthropomorphize them. They could also be sensors or
1: just a sign that they're on.
0: Here's the thing. I don't understand why they have corporeal bodies at all. They don't need to be tangible. They're all AIs. Why don't they just live as a massive hive mind?
1: It doesn't make sense to me.
0: Why do robots need to build infrastructure?
1: So I was thinking about this. And again, Star Trek was very much in my mind and thinking about the Borg. Because this episode was such a lean towards that. Do they have a hive mind? I don't know. I I mean, it got me thinking that if uh, Claire is you know getting jiggy, why suddenly she's getting jiggy within his high hive mind?
0: Okay, well maybe hmm, yeah, hmm, it's <laughs> a doesn't unity it, situation, right? Like, a... Yeah. I don't know. I maybe not a hive mind. Maybe that's the wrong way. But I feel like they wouldn't have distinct personalities. It doesn't make sense for that to be the case. Yeah. So he's been programmed to go on this mission to the Oval and be the emissary. And then they can just deactivate him at any time. So it feels like his actual being is kind of pointless, even to the Kalons. Like, they don't need him other than to do that whole kind of emissary mission.
1: Now, there are a couple of moments I really liked on the show. But before I get to them, I want to talk about the moment that just kind of creeped me out, which is I was watching the planet when they first arrived there. And I was looking at all the, like, nature, the trees Mm -hmm. and the green. And that's the first time that I really started thinking about his home planet as like an actual planet and that has history to it. I got to thinking, what happened to the humans? Because surely these robot people were built in some way. If they're on a planet that can clearly sustain life, then there were probably people that built those robots. What happened to those guys? And that came crushing reality towards the end of this episode.
0: Yeah. So you saw it coming? Because I didn't think about that at all.
1: Neither. Well, see, I mean, we don't even quite know exactly what happened to the... We'll call them humans for want of a better right. like understanding what's builders. going on Builders. Let's call them builders. The builders. Yeah, We don't know what happened to them. So it's entirely possible that there wasn't a robot uprising, but rather maybe disease took them out. No, no, no. There was definitely a
0: robot uprising. They talk about it. They talk about yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Isaac did mention that, nah, they, they killed them all. <laughs> because uh, symbiosis was not something that they could do. They they just couldn't live they couldn't coexist and they made that point. Time, yeah, so so they did they did kill them all, which is like in that cavern at the end when you see all the bodies and that kind of thing. Until that point, I just thought Isaac was a bit of a, a douche, but then it gets to this point where there's something much much darker there. Yeah. Okay,
2: uh, let's do
1: episode highlights.
2: Okay. Ooh, okay.
1: Okay, Shelly, what do you got? I've got
2: mine. All right, It is when Gordon Malloy oh. was singing and it pans to the audience and Bortus is just dead panning and it just killed me. And then also <laughs> secondary to that, yeah. the um, <laughs> request of the corner slice of oh, cake from Bordis.
1: <laughs> I hate this party.
2: Those are literally like the only two jokes in this episode, but... Now he, but, he
1: wanted the corner because of the flower on it. Yes, of course. Which I thought was lovely. Yeah. But also, the corner is the best bit. It is. Mm. I, and
0: this is the thing I got to thinking. He, he and I have the same diplomacy around cakes.
1: And <laughs> you're very
0: similar people in a lot of ways. We are. We yeah. Are. Mm. I'm really trying to be animated on this podcast. you're deadpanning us right now. <laughs>
1: Sid, do you have any moments you want to break away outside of that?
0: I was going to say Gordon singing Air Supplies Goodbye because (laughs) it was pretty fantastic. I did not see it coming at all because he's facing the piano and then just turns around with a microphone. It was great. It was so good. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to say that because, to be honest, the rest of the episode just left me feeling kind of apprehensive. That was one moment where it was, like, actually just really nice, that whole party. And also, if we're doing seconds, Mm. um, definitely Isaac, Sally Field's Oscar acceptance speech kind of moment where he's just like, you like me, that's great.
2: But this time I feel it
0: and And I I can't can't deny deny the fact fact
2: that that you you like me right right now. You like me.
0: But yeah, definitely that moment. What about you, Dan?
1: Look, the moment I really dug was, and it was when Ed's referring the situation upwards, so he calls his union boss, of whose name I've never quite caught on to.
0: Just the Admiral.
1: Yeah, (laughs) the Admiral. Anyway, it's called The Admiral, and he's trying to explain the complexity of the situation. And he just says the phrase, Picture your mom trying to hook up a stereo. And that metaphor alone is enough for The Admiral to completely be on board with what's going on and <laughs> give approval. It's, it's, it's funny
0: because uh, 400 years in the future or whatever it is, it's still
1: vaguely sexist. <laughs> ooh. ooh. But also, moms have difficulty with stereos. <laughs> yeah, well, come on.
0: Yeah, mine does. Here's
1: something that kept coming to mind throughout the episode. They kept talking about the deactivation moment for Isaac, and the sort of metaphor being played with was the idea that a deactivation is kind of the same thing as a death. And so that got me thinking about humanity because, and I don't want to break it to everyone, but eventually everyone dies.
2: Dan. Dan
1: <laughs> <is> scaring me. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's a thing that happens. Mm. So if that happens, like, what's to say that we don't suddenly have, like, if there's an afterlife, and I'm not necessarily saying there is, but if that is the case... What's necessarily stopping us from maybe having some sort of greater enlightenment at the moment of death, which means that we don't necessarily want to get back in contact with people. So therefore people think that we've died slash deactivated, but much like Isaac, he's just made the active choice that he doesn't want to keep participating in the world that he'd been working within.
0: (laughs) Hmm. Blowing my mind, Dan. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. I, I think that's... Uh, Sorry, I had
1: some cookies before I came in. Oof. Oh,
0: ain't nothing organic about this, buddy. Look. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think there was that moment where Ed does say, we don't even know what death looks like on their planet. And I kind of... Seeing the Kalons, it kind of makes sense. Because again, I mean, death can only be defined by life. And if their life is just fulfilling a bunch of missions so that Kalons can survive in general, then maybe it's not even a big deal to be deactivated. Wow. But... When Isaac woke up, he did mention that he was out of action for precisely... I
1: was inoperative for
0: 32.7 cycles. So it's like he had some understanding of the fact that he had been deactivated and then reactivated.
1: Maybe he's got one of those batteries that maybe. You know, just keeps chugging mm. in the background.
0: Yeah, maybe. But I don't know. I I feel like on their planet, maybe they don't even care. It's not a big deal. It's not a big
1: deal. Yeah. You know what I care about? I care about the character Dan. <gasps> He did make a small showing in this. He episode. did. He did, and I really liked that he's integrated into the crew social scene.
0: <laughs>
2: he's always there. Yeah. What did he say in this episode?
1: Did he give? A, did he have a one?
2: I think he just said, "Ha!" Or yeah.
0: <laughs> he just he just scoffed at someone else's joke, <laughs> oh, and guy. it was great. Yeah. He, he really feels like that 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 person who kind of like hangs on with your group of friends, not really quite entirely committed, but. They've got so much more to give and people don't give them the opportunity i feel that way about dan
2: is there going to be a dan payoff this season i just is really
0: i hope so shelly yeah. i just really want him to flourish <laughs> i really do he's so valuable he really is <laughs> although maybe maybe the awkwardness and the pain is why his poetry is so you know oh to the poetry yeah. yes
1: let's go a little bit broader than the show for a bit here we usually do go deeper on a subject I think the obvious thing to talk about with this week's episode is artificial intelligence. Sid?
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's it's kind of now we've got Siri, we've got Alexa, we've got all of those things. And everybody kind of, when they hear about AI, I think a very common reaction is that hyperventilation where you think about the inevitable robot uprising, <laughs> um, which clearly befell the builders of Kylon. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Like Even back in 2015 when Twitter created an AI tweet bot mm. uh, called Tay, I think it was and Tay. and Tay well, within- it was named after Taylor Swift. Oh really? Yeah. Really.
1: Well Taylor Tay,
0: named after Taylor Swift, within twenty four hours going from I think her first tweet were like,
1: Okay, so we should explain this. So it was a Twitter account of yep. which was powered by a robot. Powered by a robot yeah, that would or kind of like a line of code. Yeah. And it would tweet out some lines, but you could tweet back at it and it would learn from that experience.
0: Yeah, and then it would take into account all its conversations with all these different people and then that would kind of start to inform its tweets.
1: So Tay's and, first and so tweet. so his entire mindset would in the same way that like when a human being learns and discusses things with other yeah, people Absolutely. They change as people fundamentally, sometimes in small ways, sometimes in big ways, but Tay had that same capability. Yeah, it was, it was learning.
0: Like, mm. that's the whole thing. It's all about learning. But Tay's first tweet was, um, I think it was something along the lines of, like, humans are so cool. And its last tweet was about Adolf Hitler being right and it wa- and Tay wanted to eradicate the Jewish people. God. So within twenty four hours, within 24 hours, that's what it learned from humanity, which is, I think, just ridiculous.
1: Mm. I don't think things work out well for robots. So one of the robots I've really liked that's been engaging in the outside world is Hitchbot.
0: Mm.
1: Now, do people know Hitchbot? Yeah, I
0: don't don't know Hitchbot.
1: So Hitchbot was an actual robot. It was a physical robot. And the idea was it was going to hitchhike across the US and into Canada. So it's done a fair bit of travelling. So the robot would literally, you know, put out its little robot thumb. It'd get picked up by a car. It would converse with people and then it would be, you know, put out wherever it had asked to be let out. And mm-hmm. then it just wait there for someone else to pick up the bot, and it would hitch to whatever the next location is. All the data was being sent back, and I think it was... I can't remember which university it was. It was a university group scientists who yeah. were doing it. Anyway, after a certain amount of time while he was out on the road, Hitchbok did not make it to the next location. Instead, <gasps> the crap was beaten out of him, and he was left oh, just oh, a, no, right no, no. there on the side of a road. That's so, so sad.
2: What data was he collecting? Like, I'm what? not too
1: sure. The sadness what? kind of mm, me too much at the end.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. I feel like the God. data then becomes irrelevant.
1: Yeah. So I think we learn a lot about humanity from virtual. Yeah.
0: But like that's kind of the thing everyone always worries about robots uprising and you know AI are going to learn from us and fundamentally when you talk about deep learning your entire frame of reference is just your interactions with all that stuff around you and humans tend to put out pretty mixed messages.
1: So, now, I think it's very cool we've reached this far into the conversation without talking about Asmiov with uh, his rules of robotics. Well, I,
0: I was going to just mention Asimov.
1: <laughs> So, But take it away, Dan. No, no, You're please. clearly please. interested. No, no, clearly you are. I thought I
0: was a smart guy. Don't, don't be ashamed about your intellectual
1: inferiority. Look, this is all I've got. I saw that iRobot movie and here we are. <laughs> here we are. Will Smith,
0: also known as Isaac Asimov, had three laws of robotics. <laughs> the first one is basically that a robot can't harm a human or through negligence allow a human to come to harm. Number two, a robot must obey orders given to it by a human unless they contradict the first law. Number three, a robot must protect its own existence as long as that doesn't come into conflict with the first or the second law. So it needs to first and foremost protect humanity, Second, uh, listen to humanity. And third, kind of uh, protect itself. Like there's got to be some kind of... Yeah, like
1: Hitchbot failed on that mm, third point. Hitchbot mm-hmm.
0: definitely failed. But yeah. I don't know. What What are your feelings on those three laws?
1: Well, look, I mean, these uh, any sort of sci-fi nerd knows this from either directly having read the book or, you know, just from absorbing it through Pop Culture. Yeah. I think fundamentally it's probably right. And it's kind of just interesting. It's just the sci-fi writer who came up with these laws of robotics. But the further I think we get into AI and the possibilities, the more I can't really argue with the idea of what any of this represents. Yeah. It seems a little simplistic. That's what I was going to say. Maybe that's important. Well, Maybe we need to keep things on a very simple base level when we're dealing with things which will fundamentally change the shape and nature of humanity for generations to come. Well, damn. Shelley's just long for the ride, man. <laughs> You should have had some dance cookies. Yeah, right. <laughs> um,
2: but with number one, like, is there some element of, like, ethics teaching there? Because if it, ha- you know, what yeah. was it again? Is it was that it-,
0: it can't harm humans or it's like trolley problem kind of stuff. Or through yes, negligence allow. Trolley problem. I don't know. I think definitely. I mean, there's that's one aspect of it where, mm. like, what do you do if you're about to run over someone, but you're driving someone in the car? What does that AI do? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I can answer that.
1: Well, I mean, this is the thing with self-driving cars right now, where they're teaching cars. the Essentially, they have to make a very split-second mathematical equation as to whether or not if they're driving down a road and they're going to hit one of two objects, which objects are hit? Yeah. So, you know, little kid carrying the balloons at the side of the road or the old lady of whom's directly in front. One of these two can't make it out. Yeah. So which one does it take out?
0: Yeah, and that's hard. And mm-hmm. I think there's just so many memes on the internet proving just how little thought we've actually given to that in a profound way. Yeah. Mm. But then there's also that other aspect, which is, I mean, humans have throughout history justified atrocities against other humans by classifying them as not quite human. So that comes into it as well. Because, like, if you take into account what Tay did within 24 hours, which was basically become a literal Nazi, I mean, what's to say that other ai doesn't take that kind of thing on board as well because ultimately we're their frame of reference you know like mit also and i'm just going to go on and on because i get really nerdy about this kind of stuff no please but mit in in i think i'm literally going nowhere (laughs) literally going nowhere fine fine just because you're here dan (laughs) mit created a robot which was a psychopath called norman and they did it on purpose presumably
1: named after bates yeah that's what i reckon
0: Mm Basically the way they created this psychopath was just by showing it the darkest stuff, like dark images on Twitter and stuff. Sorry, not Twitter, on Reddit. Oh right. Yeah. So they so just, that's a lot darker. A lot darker, a lot darker. And so Norman Norman was kind of shown some Rorschach ink blots. Wow. How long did it take Norman to become an MRA? <laughs> I think I think Norman didn't like he that was that was small fry for Norman. He kind of MRA was really easy for him and then he went on and on. Wow. But so he was compared to his answers when he looked at these in-block tests were compared to those of another standard AI that hadn't been shown just dark stuff on the internet and been shown some, you know, cuddly pictures, maybe Reddit awe kind of stuff. Oh. But where Norman saw a man getting electrocuted while trying to cross the road, a normal AI saw a black and white photo of an umbrella. Where Norman saw a man killed by a speeding driver, a normal AI saw a close-up of a wedding cake on a table. So wow. how spooky is that?
1: Mm. that is disturbing
0: yeah see that's the problem with learning you can choose to learn on either that's, path
1: that's the problem with Reddit yeah that's <laughs> the problem with Reddit also I'd just like to give a big shout out to the Orville listeners of who are regularly hanging out on slash r slash the Orville
0: yeah Yeah. the Orville Reddit is a great Reddit really is I'm yeah. sure if Norman had spent more time there he'd be totally chill mm.
2: be yeah. a good guy
1: yeah mm. oh guys AI <laughs> yeah mm. it's freaky Super stuff spooky. yeah so spooky but also, AI can achieve quite, you know, positive things. Yeah, of course. And it's not necessarily just creating robots that will learn from the worst of us. No, no. But yeah, there's all sorts of AI that's being used. So I was listening to someone tell me yesterday about some AI being used to better understand uh, brain function. Yeah. And to be able to operate in a way that a doctor who's physically looking at it can't. But if the AI has learned the way that things are reacting, it can go in and create surgical precision, mm. which I thought was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, I mean... Fundamentally, it can go either way. I think one thing that's interesting, and this speaks to the fact that none of us really got a beat on Isaac, is in AI kind of technology, there's something called the black box problem, which is essentially that an AI can come up with a solution, but you don't know quite what it reasoned to get there. Ooh. So there was a hospital in the USA, I can't remember the study off the top of my head, but there was a hospital in the USA where they basically had an AI that was going through patient records of the people who are currently under treatment and it was diagnosing the ones who were most likely to have certain illnesses and for the most part it was correct. Wow. But no one could tell why it was correct and so when you don't quite know the reasoning there's a there's a problem there as well, like... It could be suggesting things, but for totally different reasons than what a human logic would surmise those reasons, which could be good because it could be efficient, but also it's also kind of scary when you don't know how something is being decided.
2: No, and then you kind of have to trust that judgment based on you're not sure what. So is it true? I I don't know. And then also with AI and in movies and pop culture and stuff, how robots kind of always take the human form I guess because of dexterity and having fingers and eyes and all that kind of stuff is Mm. useful for us. So it's probably useful for robots. But why don't they kind of take on other shapes? You know, what else could they kind of look like? And maybe if we stop making robots looking like us, we wouldn't get so attached to them and therefore succumb to their evil ways.
1: Shelley, you've sold this. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: just
2: don't make them look cool or <laughs> cute or, you know, like us. Well,
1: the Daleks were the world's best designed robots because yes. they couldn't handle stairs. <laughs> <laughs> so, True. Mm.
0: Yeah, everyone's learned from that point. Mm-hmm. So most of the robots that are being designed for defence purposes now, quote-unquote defence, I'm going to say offence, but um, for military purposes are either tracked robots, so they have like tank tracks on them. Ooh, yes. So there's the M-A-R-S, Mars. There's one called Talon which, like, these are just such evil names. There's, <laughs> there's one robot called Swords. Sword, I like that. Yeah. Um, but they, none
1: of them look like human people. Except for those Boston Dynamics robots. Yeah,
0: the ones that run at you. That, that's Nightmare Fuel, man. Yeah. Mm. Those things are terrifying. Big Dog, I think it is.
1: Okay, well, I need to go into the corner of the room and roll into a little bowl and suck my thumb for a little bit. So let's wind <laughs> down the conversation. <laughs> so As we end this episode of The Orville and Orville Land, We've got the Orville heading straight towards the Earth with a whole bunch of nasty robot dudes who want to do Earth no good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How comfortable are we with the next episode?
2: I'm very scared, yeah. but I'm very excited. I don't think I've been this pumped up for the next ep- or ever. Like, is this the first time it's been a no. to-be-continued, or have we had that before? No, I think we sure had it. was
1: the first two-part, wasn't it? No, we had that one where
0: they ended up inside that ship where you had that entire other... Sort of humanoid race. Oh <gasps> yes. Yeah, we had that yes. one.
2: That was also fabulous.
0: Yeah, that was also fabulous. But this one just seems like there's more at stake. Yep. Yeah, but I don't know. How do you guys feel going into it?
1: Look, I kind of I feel there's going to be a big reset button by the end of the next episode, mm. where maybe Isaac has completely rejected his race, and so now he's just a you know lone survivor on his on the ship. Yeah, like that's possible. Yeah, but you know we'll see.
0: Well, I'm hoping that, like, today's entire discussion around AI has been pretty pessimistic for the most part. I'm hoping next week, if we talk about it again, it'll be, you
1: know, a bit yeah. lighter, a bit more hopeful. The struggle I have for the show at this point is there's been so much investment of the Isaac-Claire relationship that if I'm Claire, there's no way that I'm allowing Isaac to come back into my life and hang around with my kids. Yeah. Heck no. Like no. I can't imagine that could happen. Mm-mm. No. So, like, I don't know, it just kind of ruins one of the great friendships on the show. Yeah. And at that point, I don't know, like, I don't see if there's much value for Isaac being around.
0: I don't know, speculative, but uh, what if Isaac is the one who saves the Orville? I mean, he will, obviously. He, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping here, I'm it's hoping how, here.
1: How, have you seen TV before?
0: Oh, uh, you know, not much. <laughs> I don't know how I got hired. <laughs> we could possibly see the Kalon becoming an even greater threat than the Krill, and Isaac is the only one who really knows both sides. So he could be so important that the Orville can't get rid of them. But even if I were just one of the crew, I wouldn't want him hanging around.
1: No. Yeah. I mean, from the union perspective, I don't know how you trust him being like part of the union. Yeah, absolutely not.
0: He could be reporting back to them and sending them reports all the time. Yeah,
1: This could all be a cunning ruse. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And I mean, everybody on the ship just got shot up by people who look exactly like Isaac. Yeah. Sorry, people by robots.
2: Are they all dead, or were their phases set to stun? No, they were definitely dead. They're dead. Oh, dead. Okay, all right.
0: There's blood in the oval guys. I'm not listening. I'm I'm very scared
2: (laughs) (laughs) and sad after this episode, but excited at the same time.
1: Okay, so very cool. uh, Part one of the two parter. Let's find out next week how it pays off because it could go in any direction at this point. Really good. It'll probably just come with him saving the day. It's gonna be fine. Maybe.
0: Down, yeah. I just, re- you, you really calming me down.
1: <laughs> <laughs> anyway, guys, it has been fantastic talking Orville. As always, please, if you like the podcast, leave a review. helps other people find the podcast. And it actually really does. Like, there's algorithms, AI learning. Mm. Guess this podcast going up the charts.
0: Yeah, and none of us will make it racist.
1: Exactly. Yeah, except maybe Sid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so leave reviews for the podcast. If you like the show and like the Orville, you can watch it on SBS and SBS On Demand on Fridays, 9 o'clock SBS Weisland, On Demand any time after, what, like 3pm? Yeah, in the
2: Let's afternoon. Yeah. In the afternoon. Now streaming. Yeah. Get on it.
1: Indeed. Shelley, how do people contact you outside of this here podcast?
2: I'm on Instagram. Yeah. Underscore hellbells with a Z and underscore.
0: another underscore. <laughs> it's not very good. I'm so sorry, everyone.
1: Yeah. And speaking of not very good Instagram handles, Sid...
0: Mine is my magician name, at A M R A H S, Amras, uh, but I also accept carrier pigeons.
1: <laughs> and people can find me at the Dan Barrett and all your major social media platforms. I don't know what my Reddit handle is.
0: <gasps> get one.
1: I mean, I've got one, I just don't use it often enough to really be right across it. Yeah. Yeah. My resolution between this week and next, I'm going to get onto Reddit more.
0: I just kind of pegged you as a guy who's always on Reddit anyway. Yeah,
1: I've seen the sort, don't I? Yeah, you really do. Mm. On that note, we're going to get out of here. Thank you very much for orville with us. So we'll be back next week to Orville and chill a bit more and, yeah, keep on trucking. (coughs) Space
2: trucking. (laughs) Space trucking, yes.
1: Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week.